The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. The uh, The Giants are, or were, originally scheduled to have rookies, quarterbacks, and injured players begin to report to uh, East Rutherford, New Jersey for the first round of COVID-19 testing on Thursday with camps originally scheduled to open next week, July 28th. Right now, we don't know exactly how all of that's going to work. You know, reports are that there are still some questions about that. And uh, here to uh, to help us iron out everything that's going on with the opening of, of training camps around the league and, and, and with the New York Giants is longtime NFL columnist Bob Glover. Bob, how you doing? And I know you hate it every time I use that long-time phrase. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I appreciate that, Ed. That's just like, you know, old. You can substitute that. It's fine. That's well, our thing. Well, I, I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to do – you know, I, I, have a, I have a birthday coming up next month, Bob, and I and – I, and I hate to tell you which one it is because it's a milestone one and it has a six in it. And uh, Whoa! yeah, Whoa, yep. nice. Yep. <laughs> yep. <Welcome>. So <laughs> I, I, I played golf. I played golf earlier this week and uh, the, the, the pro out at the, out in the clubhouse said, uh, are, are you a senior citizen yet? <laughs> and because he's been asking me this for years. And I, I, I said a couple weeks from now, and he said, oh, wow. we'll throw you a party. And he said, you know, he said, when you get to 90, you can play out here for free. <laughs> well, you know, there's a good motivation right there. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Amazingly, he said he's got a half dozen people who are 90 plus who actually play out there. So that's that's pretty cool. That's incredible. That's great. Yeah. So, that- uh so yeah, so so yeah, so so we're so we're both old and, and and we know it, and that's just what it is. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's my thing. Ed, I am completely immature and juvenile, so that helps me stay young at heart. 
So, uh, speak, anyone, speak, has, speak for yourself. Anyone, you, you've been around me in the press room. You hear that juvenile behavior and see it. So, it's, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. 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 Speak, speak for yourself, Bob. I'm a completely mature, responsible yeah. adult. You are. <laughs> anyone. <in. laughs> All right. Sure, I am. I'll just ask my, I'll just, I just won't invite my wife on the show. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, so let's talk Giants. Let's talk NFL. Let's talk COVID nineteen. Uh, the last we heard was that it looks like there's some questions as to whether or not the Giants and the Jets and and all of that are actually going to have rookies quote unquote report for training camp on Thursday. And report is sort of a relative term because my understanding is that that it's sort of a drive through you know, first round of COVID-19 testing, it's not really reporting for camp. So just, you know, as we, as we do this and, and I'll, I'll let people know we're recording on Wednesday for our Thursday show. So things may change a little bit between now and, and, and when the show actually airs. So just let us, let me, let us know, Bob, you know, from your perspective, where we stand on, on players beginning to report to facilities? Well, it, you know, it's been a very complicated, long process that really goes back to January when the two sides, Labor and, uh, you know, the NFL Players Association and the NFL basically got serious about a new uh, contract extension of the CBA, which was eventually passed in March. So that's the good news is that they're they're going from a place of stability in terms of labor relations, but they had to iron out a lot of the nitty-gritty details of how to actually move forward in a COVID-19 environment. So, you know, just on Monday night is when they agreed to all the testing protocols, and some teams were ready to report. The Jets, for instance, they had their rookies set to report on Tuesday, but they held off on that because of what you said. It's just a first test that you take. You have to take two tests, and then you have to quarantine for a period of time before they let you in the building. So this is going to be a gradual ramp-up process in terms of not only reporting, but in terms of actual training. So normally, this time of year, you get ready. The players report on one day. The next day, they're back on. The, they're on the field. They're in pads, and they're you know they're going at it. But this is going to be a totally different world. There will be this extended ramp-up period where both sides agree that the players need time to get into football-ready shape. And so this is, again, this is uncharted territory. They're trying the best they can. They have the experience, Ed, of the 2011 lockout where players did not report for the entire offseason, and there were a lot more injuries that year. So that there's concern there, and I'm sure that the injury rate's going to be significantly higher this year than previous years. So they got to be careful, and they got to get the players ready to be in football shape. So it's going to be a very gradual unorthodox procedure from here on out. Bob, you mentioned the the ramp up and that at this point, as far as I know, is still one of the the remaining unanswered questions. And and what that leads me to is, I know you were on a call the other day with Demora Smith and and JC Treader from the NFL Players Association. But what, what this leads me to is at this point, are you satisfied with the way that the NFL and the NFLPA are working through this? And considering the, the length of time that we've had 
between you know when the COVID-19 outbreak began and the fact that we're now on the cusp of, of starting these training camps, do you is it surprising to you at all that this close there are so many outstanding questions still to be answered? No, I'm not surprised. I actually think this has been a now it's going to sound counterintuitive and crazy, but it's been a constructive and quick process. And I know they've had the benefit of time, but first of all, it's deadline league. And they, these people react very well to deadlines and better things happen. But you got to understand, there were so many issues. You know, you've gone from, uh, let's see, it's July, you know, it's we're in the July 20s now. You've already gone from four preseason games to zero preseason games. It's never happened before. So to go into the summer, to go into training camp, knowing that there were going to be zero preseason games, that happened fast overall because the, the COVID situation changed over time. In the last two months, I remember talking to the union and to the NFL PR people, you know, I'm involved in access issues for writers, and we're trying to get our protocols set, we're trying to get the numbers of how many writers are going to be covering practice. And at that time, things were getting much better. And I'll never forget the day after we spoke to union people about how we wanted to be able to have some people cover practice, perhaps more than they expected. The day after, um, a handful of Texans and Cowboys players including Ezekiel Elliott, tested positive COVID. That was the day after, and it got worse from then on. Then you had this, you know, disturbing spike in cases in the South, in the Southwest, and in, in the West of California. So it changed on a dime. So we're, we're at a different reality in terms of the virus than we were just two months ago. So, you know, now we're at zero preseason games. They weren't thinking about maybe two preseason games they were talking about a couple of months ago. Now we're at zero. Well, that happens pretty fast when, when you think about it. Well, that's actually a good point because the information, the situation changes week to week, almost day to day. And none of us have ever, you know, none of us have ever gone through this before. There's no easy answers. So that's actually a really good point that that it has to be fluid as the, as the information changes. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely correct, Ed. And look, you, you can argue that they should have had this stuff decided, but, man, the reality of the situation changed by the day, sometimes by the hour, and they had to react accordingly. You know, they, they went into the situation without a quote-unquote bubble-type situation like the NBA, like the NHL. Um, so, that became a little bit more complicated because players are in everyday life now, as opposed to basketball players who are basically um, sequestered in Orlando and the hockey players will be sequestered uh, in Canada for, for the presumption of their season. So very complicated process at extremely detailed in every way, every move that a player makes and a coach makes inside training camp has to be choreographed in such a way that they can um, try to coexist despite this virus being out there, which is so prevalent. So very, very complicated. I, I can't begin to tell you how, how detailed it is. And it's, you know, 
mind-boggling. And are you – I know that I am fully in agreement with no preseason games in the current circumstance. I, I do feel sort of badly for some of the the end-of-the-roster guys who, who aren't going to get an opportunity to play in these games. And also, you know, we've heard news that, that it looks like uh, teams are going to go to 80-man rosters instead of 90. So, so there's going to be some guys who, who don't even get to come to camp – but are you in agreement with the uh, with the no preseason game decision? Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's the best thing they could have done. Look, colleges have never had a preseason. They have scrimmages, um, and they do just fine. Is the quality of play going to be rough um, as a result of no preseason games? Yes, but man, we've seen over time the gradual reduction of time that players play, that starters play in the preseason, to the point where the Rams, none of the Rams starters, played a second in the preseason last year. And uh, I just think it would have been foolish to really try to get these preseason games going in any form this year because of the situation that's going on. Just, just get the players in the best shape they can be and then go from there and start the season. I am completely in agreement with no preseason. Yeah, I look at it. You talked about quality of play, Bob, and I look at it another way. If if you don't have the preseason games, especially in the current environment, you have a better opportunity to get more players to the regular season healthy, and also you have the opportunity to get more players to the regular season without having been injured. So you might have better rosters at the beginning of the regular season, you know, without going through the preseason games. That's a good point, too. I mean, so much energy is spent by coaches trying to protect and avoid injury to their key players. And that's why the playing time is limited in preseason. So that's a very good good point. And, and I think you're right. You, you will see healthier rosters. Now, the, the, the thing to watch is the, the, the players are concerned about those soft tissue injuries. Um, the non-contact injuries, which happens when you go from a period of, you know, you're going zero to 60 here in terms of football, and it's it, it can be treacherous. So um, I, I think they will be on paper and in theory healthier going into the season. Then once they start, you know, those those regular season games, you're really going 100 miles an hour. And that's, you know, I, I hope the injury rate doesn't spike, but, you know, you have to expect that there will be some uh, some increases in injury. So we know is the I mentioned the 80 man roster limits. I don't know if that's been fully decided yet. I know that opt outs are still under discussion. Just fill us in a little bit on what your understanding is at this point of of some of the issues that remain, you know, before we actually get going and I know a lot of those are 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 financial. Yes. The, I think the remaining issues are financial. And, and honestly, Ed, I think most of the, the big, you know, the NFL has very um, specific guidelines on a, if a player does not want to play in the season because of coronavirus concerns, they can opt out. They will get a stipend. They will get medical benefits for the year. So I think the, the heavy lifting in terms of the negotiations has been done. 
Um, there will be some I's that need to be dotted and T's that need to be crossed, but I think we're at a point now where we're going to begin to see players report and teams kind of get in that situation where they can actually do football-related stuff once they get past the testing protocol that will allow the players into the building. Yeah, that's yeah. that's tough. I mean, the whole testing protocol, I think it's two pos- or two negative tests before players are actually allowed into the building, correct? Correct, correct. And then, uh, yes, and then there's a period between those tests they have to spend quarantined. Um, so, again, just to get inside the building on a regular basis um, is going to be a time-consuming thing. You know, we, we talked before about the access that we get as writers to watch practice. Well, we're not going to watch a regular football practice until the middle or or toward the end of August, because that's, you know, that the time between now and then will be spent getting the players into the building, which requires testing, and then getting the players in condition. Um, and that's very few, if any, there's going to be no football drills. This is going to be a physical conditioning program to get them up to speed physically so they can begin to have football-related drills. The, the last I saw, Bob, I wasn't sure that the, the actual quote-unquote ramp-up period had been agreed to. Do we know what that ramp-up period is going to be yet? No, that, that that's a good point. I don't know that the specifics, like every single thing about that, that, there are general parameters of how long those periods will be. So we're looking at, you know, and again, we're looking at in theory and in the big picture toward the end of August uh, or the middle part of August would be when they start football related drills. So, again, I, I don't know that the exact dates have been determined on that, but we're getting we're certainly getting close. And I think we're just a matter of uh, time before the exact parameters are issued and then the players can begin the process of uh, reporting being at camp and then getting into shape and, and then ultimately playing football within, say, a month. All right, Bob, I want to take a quick break here for a word from our SB Nation sponsors. Then when I come back, there are a couple of, uh, of Giants-related questions, a couple of other things that I want to get to. So let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. 
Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, Giants fans, we're back here on the Valentine's Views podcast, and we're talking to Newsday NFL columnist Bob Glauber about the opening of the NFL season in the uh, COVID-19 pandemic era and all of the the protocols and, and things that go along with that. Bob, I want to change gears just a little bit here. I want to talk about about the Giants and maybe actually a little bit about you know something that that you and the Professional Football Writers Association has been working hard on, which is which is media access. But let let's talk a little bit about the Giants first. And and I look at this whole situation. And you've you've been covering the NFL you know for for a long time now, and I look at a 38-year-old head coach, first-time head coach that the Giants have. And and I simply can't imagine a more difficult circumstance for a rookie head coach to to walk in and, and try to get a team ready than, than the one Joe Judge faces this year. Can can you think of anything comparable or anything you know more difficult th- than what he's got to go through here in, in your experience? No. I mean, I, and I say that because he's dealing with not only first-time head coach, first-year head coach, never a head coach at any level before. He's dealing with something we haven't seen in a century in this country, and that's the pandemic. Throw in the convulsive events after the death of George Floyd, um, and perfect storm of difficulty for any coach, no less a guy who has never been a coach. Joe Judge has his work cut out for him. I, I contend that, you know, this is it's a pass for this year, in essence, because no matter what happens, it's, it's going to be difficult. And now, if he exceeds expectations, if somehow the team gets through the season and the league gets through the season, and they come out 8-8, eight eight, man, this guy would be, be potential for coach of the year. I find him to be a very deep thinker. I think he is a, you know, despite being only 38, he's a more complete coach than his age would suggest and his inexperience would suggest, only because he's been around so many great coaches in his life. It doesn't doesn't mean he's going to be good, but he's been around Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, um, Sylvester Kroom at Mississippi State. He talks about, you know, the impact of him on his life and his coaching experience. So he's been around really good football people. Um, and I think he can take those experiences and use them to adapt to his own personality. I don't think he's going to run into that. Well, I got to be what Belichick is. I got to be what Nick Saban is. What would they do in these services? He's, he knows who he is. So he's a grounded guy. And I, and I think he's got a pretty good chance to, to be a decent coach. But one of the things that you mentioned was that it's really difficult entering this season to judge what the Giants do or what they are. Did they make progress? 
we just don't we don't even know how many games are actually going to get played and i i have said multiple times throughout the off season that i really think that when you look back on the 2020 season you know however it takes form that i really think that there are two key questions for the giants that maybe you'll want to look back on do they have the right head coach do they have the right long-term quarterback, regardless of what the record is or how the season plays out, how many games get played? I look at it, and I think those are the two the two critical questions that that you really want to to come out of the season having answers for. Well, Ed, when you reduce football to its most essential elements, those are the two things that you always have to look at. It's a league of coaches and quarterbacks, and it's really become more so over time. Any great team has a great coach and almost always has a great quarterback. Sure, there are some exceptions. You know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and under John Gruden and with Brad Johnson. You know, the Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl with a, a legendary defense in Baltimore. But by and large, championships, championships are won by great coaches who have great quarterbacks. And we we don't we just don't know the answers uh, to to that with Joe Judge and Daniel Jones, but we're gonna we're gonna get you know closer to finding out whether that's the case. But that's something that will happen over a period of years. I mean, we're not gonna even this year, no matter what happens, we're still going to say, okay, you know, where do these guys stand, and how good can they be, and how much better can the team around them be uh, to determine the kind of overall long term future of this team. All right, Bob, last thing for you, something near and dear to my heart, something I know that that you and the PFWA have been working on incredibly hard in in conjunction with the league. I just want to touch on media access a little bit, and I want to do that for the simple reason that that my listeners, you know, readers of Big Blue View, your readers at Newsday, readers of all of the other, you know, fine folks that that cover the Giants on on a regular basis are used to a certain form of coverage, a certain volume of coverage, certain, you know, certain types of stories that that come out of training camp and and out of you covering the team on a day-to-day basis and just just to sort of set the table for people who are are following this team on a daily basis just explain to to our listeners a little bit about how different media access, you know, for us who who try to cover these teams, how different media access is actually going to be. <laughs> well, it's something we've never seen um, before, and for obvious reasons, you know, we the players need to be protected, and that entails us not interacting with them in person at all. I think for the for the entire season, we will not be person, you know, face to face with NFL players. And that makes it tremendously challenging for us to cover it because, you know, people don't care and they shouldn't care about what we have to go through to get stories. But the fact is, you know, the, the better stories and you, you get to know your, your players better by, you know, reading stories that we are able to kind of craft that need information and need relationships with the players to happen. So those interactions are going to be very 
difficult. I mean, you won't get many individual interactions. You're going to get a lot of group uh, Zoom chats and, and such. So, you know, people will see what the players have to say, but you kind of won't get that in-depth um, and added that color to, to what a player is like and what a player is going through. So, you know, the old, the reader might not get that huge a difference in what he or she is reading um, in terms of, you know, it's football, it's what they're going through, it's that kind of thing. But, you know, there's a level of detail that I think is uh, is valuable when you have these personal interactions. And, that, you know, that's that's gone really for the foreseeable future. And I, I worry uh, for, for my colleagues who are, you know, who have a lot of years left in covering football and, and sports, how is how are pro sports going to look moving forward? Because, you know, this thing is not going to disappear overnight. And it's going to be a real challenge. But, you know, obviously it's the the least of anyone's worries. It's it's not like, you know, we have to take risks in, in talking to players on a Zoom call. But it just, it does make it a different experience. And you're going to have to do a little bit more to stand out. Uh, in in your writing and in your presentation of, of what it's like for the players and for the coaches and for the team, Bob, it's a it's a different year. It's a difficult year. Let's just hope that that as many players as as possible, you know, and, and team officials and coaches and all of that who we forget about, who are actually the older older you know people on the spectrum and the folks who are probably more at risk. Let's hope. Uh, as many as possible stay healthy let's hope that uh, that we have as much football this season as as we can possibly uh, as we can possibly get i i thank you for spending some time with me uh why don't you uh you know just tell folks where they can where they can find your work on twitter and uh, and how they can interact with you and and all that good stuff sure well I, you know i'm on twitter at, at bob glauber b-o-b-g-l-a-u-b-e-r and work for newsday newsday.com and um yeah so it's all good so that's that's come on twitter Twitter let's talk that's that's pretty straightforward bob we always uh we always uh love talking to you and uh hopefully hopefully the next time we we do this we'll be we'll be able to talk straight football you got it. Let's right. let's hope, Ed. Let's hope that time comes. Stay safe, my friend. You too. All right, Giants fans, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye now.